Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. So we're starting with a new series, Hearing Removes Fearing. And that might not be grammatically correct, but it rhymes. And uh, whenever something rhymes, it's spirit-led, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I'm just joking. Hearing removes fearing. And uh, we'll get into uh, this series. It will probably be about three or four weeks of uh, getting into, into this. And this morning's uh, title is My Sheep Hear My Voice. And just a few questions to consider, um, just an in, in introduction. And I want you guys to, to respond to, to these questions. Um, well, I want to invite you to respond. Who here wants to leave the planet empty? Have given it your all. Anyone? Okay, there's a few of you. Very little of you. But I trust that some of your arms are maybe attached to your chairs and you can't lift them up this morning and that's fine. Um, who wants to impact as many people as they can for eternity in your lifetime? Okay, it's good. It's good that... There's more hands. You guys are uncuffing yourselves from your chairs and your hands are going up. That's great. Or your spouse or your, your, your partner is releasing your answer. You can raise it. That's great. Who wants to live every, di- every day with a sense of belonging and purpose? And who wants to live a life free from fear and anxiety? Now, in order to live a life like this, we need to be able to hear God's voice. This is key. Because all of these questions are linked to whether we're hearing God's voice and whether the question, we are able to hear God's voice. And we're going to cover that and we're going to answer that this morning. The problem a lot of times with Christians, and maybe some of us this morning, is we think that we aren't able to hear God's voice. So we're not able to always hear His voice. And that will always leave us fearing the day of tomorrow. It will always leave us feeling uncertain of what tomorrow holds for us. A few weeks ago, we had a, our campus pastors meeting, and it was awesome. The question was asked, are you excited about your future? Think about that for a moment. Are you excited about your future? And uh, so we thought about that, and we, we answered the question, and so Say, for example, your, your, whatever your question is, whether it's, yes, I'm excited about my future, yes, I'm not excited about my future, the following follow-up question is, why are you or why aren't you excited about your future? So I got your answer, and uh, a lot of the campus passes, the, the answer was similar. I'm excited about my future. Yes, amen. Without a shadow of a doubt. But it was funny, when I got asked why, my answer in the moment, I've never thought about that, but the answer was Holy Spirit-led, if I can say that. I'll give him the, the credit for it. I'm excited about my future, not because I've got a specific picture of what my future looks like. I'm not excited about my future because I see my children growing up and I see myself owning a house and I see myself having nice cars and having a good retirement annuity. That's not why I'm excited about my future. I'm excited about my future because wherever I am, however it looks, Jesus is there with me. Man, when that becomes your default, it does not matter your circumstances. You'll be excited about your future. You'll be excited about your tomorrow because you know Jesus is there with you. And you get to impact people's lives regardless of how much you have, how little you have. 
You get to live out your witnessing. And man, that is, that is where God wants us to live at. Being excited about this very thing that, as Paul said, it doesn't matter how little I have. It doesn't matter whether I'm hungry, whether I have a lot, whether I've gone without. I've learned to be content with what I have. Hebrews 13 verse 5. Your presence, you've promised you'll never leave me nor forsake me. That's God's promise for our lives. And that's the truth that we need to establish in our hearts because this world is going to get us running after various things. Finding our contentment, finding our peace, finding our satisfaction on a purpose and various things. Buying into various things that will never satisfy you, will never bring contentment, purpose into your life. Will never bring belonging into your life as much as Christ and His presence have been destined and created to be. John 10, 25-30. And we're going to uh, jump through John chapter 10 through different translations. We'll uh, be backwards and forwards. Uh, um, and John 10 is really an amazing uh, chapter and there's a lot in here. We could probably spend a whole year just, just fleshing John chapter 10 out. We're, not, we're just going to flesh out a few things in light of this, this specific series that, that we're getting into on hearing God's voice or hearing, removing, fearing. So John 10 verse 25 to 30 from the message says, Jesus answered, I told you, but you don't believe. Man, that's, that already is a mouthful. I told you, but you don't believe. Everything I've done has been authorized by my Father. Actions that speak louder than words. You don't believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep recognize my voice. Say recognize. So my sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them real and eternal life. I don't break their feet and arms and legs when they've gone astray so that they can be close to me. Nowhere do you find that in the Bible. But guess what? Some preachers and teachers have made that a teaching. Where the good shepherd goes out to the sheep who's gone astray, breaks its legs, puts it on his shoulders, nice and close, nice and cozy, right? Intimacy there. And then he puts it down so that it can't go and run away anymore because its legs are broken. Man, if, if you've heard that teaching before and you were blessed by it, I trust that you are super challenged by what I'm sharing with you now. And that the challenge will lead to you changing your mind about how you view God and His leading and His shepherding. I give them real and eternal life. They are protected from this destroyer for good. They are protected. They're not harmed. They're not abused. That's abuse when you break a child's legs to teach them something. Who wants to have a father like that? Where the father or the mother hurts their children to teach them something. That's not our God. That's not our father. No one can steal them from out of my hand. The father who put them under my care is so much greater than the destroyer and the thief. No one could ever get them away from him. I and the father are one heart and mind. This is super important to further illustrate this this truth in Hebrews 1 verse 3 from the passion it says talking about Jesus and him and the father being one of heart one of mind the son is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor talking about Jesus Jesus is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor the exact expression of God's true nature say exact expression hence Jesus saying if you've seen me you've seen the father 
Go and study the Bible out, the life of Jesus. Guess what he never did? He never brought sickness on someone to teach them something. That should be a liberating truth for some here this morning. He never brought harm to someone to teach them something. Someone that came to him for healing, he never said, it's not your time today. Go and sit in the corner. I'm going to rather focus on these people. Or maybe tomorrow, next week, I don't have time today. Please draw the conclusion. If Jesus never did those things, and we see in the Word that Jesus is the exact representation, the true nature of who God is, the mirror image, then why do we think God does certain things that Jesus never did? It's only the truth that you come to know, that you come to receive, that can set you free. Every one of you under the sound of my voice, looking at these verses, are hearing life-changing truth. But guess what? Some of you will walk out here still living in bondage. Why? Because the truth itself does not set you free, but the truth that you've come to know, the truth that you've come to receive, that sets you free. Now that does not mean that the truth that you come to know and the truth that you are faced with is going to make you feel good necessarily. Especially if you've believed something for most of your life and now you come in contact with something that's different. Now you're like, oh man, I don't like this. I've never heard this before. So You're not open then to receive the truth. You're not open to experience the freedom that comes with receiving that truth. So I encourage you, this is truth, that Jesus and God is the same. Jesus was His mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of His spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins and then took His seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the Majestic One. Jesus heard from God. He had and He enjoyed communion with God. Jesus had direct contact, direct a fellowship, communication with God. There was no barriers. In the same way, we too can hear from God and have complete openness, open conversation. No barriers. No going through a veil or, or talking to God through a veil or behind a curtain. No sitting in a cubicle and speaking to some holy man and then there's like a... There's no separation. You've got God's Spirit living on the inside of you 24-7. You've got 24-7 access to have communication with God. And guess what? He's communicating and ministering to you 24-7. We get to hear God. John 10-27 from the King James says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The biggest hindrance for the body of Christ to hearing from God is thinking that we can't hear from Him. Or thinking that our sin and our unholy living causes God to keep quiet and removes His presence from us. That's all covenant, all testament. God's Spirit came and gone on specific people. King Saul was anointed. He had God's Spirit and then the Spirit left, the anointing left, and then King David was anointed. That's all covenant. New covenant, Jesus' Spirit comes, Jesus' Spirit stays. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. Meaning that you cannot change that. You cannot undo what God miraculously does in your life when you say yes to Jesus. 
So be careful before you say yes to Jesus. Because you cannot undo what happens to you when you say yes to Jesus. God set it up that way. In the same way that you cannot do anything to be accepted by Jesus, apart from saying yes and receiving, in the same way you cannot do anything to be rejected or have His Spirit leave you after you've said yes. It's common sense. But common sense, what do they say about that? It's not all that common. Religion has done a very good job at having us get onto the hamster wheel and work for God and go nowhere very slowly. My sheep hear my voice. This is Jesus speaking. And there's an analogy being used, and we'll look at some of the, the, the symbolisms of this analogy. In Matthew 25, it talks about verse 32. And before him shall be gathered all the nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. So in this chapter, there's, Jesus is talking about um, the end times, and there's going to be two groups of people, the sheep and then the goats. Now, the, the, the significance of this in John chapter 10, where we're talking about Jesus um, and his sheep, he being the shepherd and my sheep hearing my voice, it's talking about the family of God. It's talking about believers. And in this analogy in Matthew 25, it's talking about the believer and the unbeliever. The believer is reference to a sheep and the unbeliever is reference to a goat. Now, it's pretty cool. When the Bible uses um, metaphors and analogies and, and uh, um, picture language, there's significance behind it. It's not just like, okay, cool. What cool story can I kind of... Used to illustrate a point. No, there was, there was significance behind this. The significance of Jesus being the shepherd, us being the sheep. There's significance behind that. And we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit more. But just quickly on the topic of sheep versus goat. Interesting. So, this truth about sheep and goat has been a truth since Jesus uh, referred to it or used it as an analogy. And it's still the same today. Sheep's nature hasn't changed. Goat's nature hasn't changed. The way they think, the way they do things, it hasn't changed. It's a timeless truth. So uh, listen to this quickly and then see, see the, the, significant, the significance of the believer and how the sheep operates and does things and then the unbeliever, how they operate and do things. Now, the interesting thing is this. You can be a sheep but still act like a goat. You can be a sheep, be a child of God, but still act like a goat. That is why there's, there's three types of people in this world. The unbeliever, they've never received Christ, and they, they're a goat by DNA. Then you get the believer, who's a sheep, their DNA has changed, but they're still acting like a goat. And then the third group is the believer, they're a sheep, and they're living like a sheep, they're acting like a sheep. Now, the only difference between the two sheep is knowledge, what you know. That's why Romans talks about be transformed, Romans chapter two, 12, verse 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformation change comes as you renew your mind, as you change the way you see yourself. If, you, if you've received Christ and you said yes to Jesus, you've become a sheep. But if you still see yourself as a goat, guess what? How are you going to live? Like a goat. Hence, Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what you believe about yourself is going to determine how you live. 
We can't sidestep that. Knowledge is super important, but not knowledge for the sake of puffing up and arrogance, but knowledge for truth, experiencing truth, being challenged in who we've been made to be. So sheep versus goat. A sheep embraces following its, its nature. It's got a humble demeanor. A goat resists following its nature, stubbornness. A sheep tends to stick to the flock. Goats don't tend to stick to the flock. Sheep keep to simple diet and don't easily wander away from the flock. Goats eat anything and tend to wander off. How many people you fit into the camp of, you're a sheep, but there's a lot of goat in you. A lot of goaty action. Stubbornness. Not wanting to be part of the flock. Running off and thinking that you can go live on an island and you've got Jesus and that's all you need. That's goat thinking. Eating anything, running from one church to the falling church, to one teacher to the falling teacher, enjoying every form of diet. Whatever pleases you, that's goat thinking. A good word is? We get to be God's sheep and be renewed and be shepherded by Him. We are sheep. We need to establish that. We're not goats. Our nature has changed. We have a new DNA. But we have, we have to surrender and yield to this new nature. Come to see this as God's best for us. To, to respond to His love and, and allow His Spirit in us. Because that's the DNA change. Allow His Spirit in us to live from us. But this is important. We have been made to hear the voice of God. John 10, in the beginning of the chapter, verse 3 to 5, it says this from the Passion. And because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. And the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd. Say recognize. I'm not going to get into that, otherwise uh, you're not going to come back. So they recognize the voice of the true shepherd, for he calls his own by name and leads them out. So what does he do? He calls. That's communication. He chooses to call, to communicate. For they belong to him. We belong to God. This is, we need to understand this picture that God calls. He communicates. Jesus communicates to his sheep. For we belong to him. We're part of his family. And when he has brought out all his sheep, he walks ahead of them and they will follow him. For they are familiar with his voice. Say familiar. This is beautiful. It's, it's this beautiful picture of Jesus going before us. And even with the disciples, when he sends them out, Matthew 28, the great commission passage, it says that, and remember, as I'm sending you, remember that I'm always with you. When we go out to Tiger Valley, we're going there with Jesus. He's not sending us out saying, like, hey guys, good luck. That's not God's nature. He's going out with us. They are familiar with his voice, verse 5. But they will run away from strangers and never follow them because they know it's the voice of a stranger. Proverbs 4.20, we're going to come back to that now. Proverbs 4.20 says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Now I'm going to establish a few things from, from these, these few passages of, of Scripture. 
Any child of God, if you're a child of God, if you've said yes to Jesus, you get to hear. You can hear the voice of God. Establish this in your heart. He calls us, so that means He speaks. He isn't silent. He calls. But we need to learn how to discern between His voice and the stranger's. And we're going to get into that next week. There's a discerning, there's an aspect of discerning. Becoming familiar with His voice and not being familiar with the voice of strangers who is there to lead us astray. We'll look at that next week. It's only in becoming familiar with His voice that we can follow Him and run away from a strangers. So it's vitally important to discern. But this morning we're establishing the truth and reality that we can, without a shadow of a doubt, hear the voice of our Father. If you're struggling to hear the voice of the Father, it's most likely in primary because you think you cannot. And if you think you cannot, guess what? You will not. Whether you think, there's a quote, whether you think you can or you're not, you're right. Whether you think you can or you can't, you are right. Meaning that it all depends on what you think, what's your view of yourself. We need to view ourselves as God's children able to hear His voice. It's becoming well acquainted with real money versus fraudulent money. There's this, this illustration of a banker or cashier. And I don't know how accurate it is still to today's culture and how things are working with money and things like that. But bankers, at least back in the day, they studied out authentic real money. So that when they come in contact with fake or fraudulent money, they recognize the fake. But there's thousands and, and thousands of fake out there in the world, within the body of Christ as well. Fake, fraudulent messages. We're not going to go out there to study out the fraudulent messages. We're not going to go out there to suss out and have Facebook campaigns and pages of like, this ministry is wrong, that ministry is wrong, be afraid of them, stay away from them. No. We're going to become well acquainted with the authentic Jesus. So that when the fraudulent comes, we recognize it. Without knowing. I don't need to know all bad doctrines out there. I just need to know the real thing. And the bad is just going to show itself by default. Relationships are built on a two-way communication. Healthy relationships at least are built on healthy two-way communication. Because you can have two-way communication, but it can be unhealthy. It's a whole different series, a whole different topic, communication and having healthy relationships. Not going to get into that this morning. Genesis 1 verse 27. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Why were we created in God's own image? For relationships. For relationship. We were created in His image so that we can have relationship with God. So we can have communication. I don't understand a dog barking. When a dog barks, I don't know what it's saying. Like to a degree, like you can kind of filter out, okay, what does the dog want? Even with my son Chris, like he communicates now in various ways. Mostly noise. Um... But I've learned to understand how he communicates. But guess what? When he starts talking, it's going to be a lot easier. We were created to have fellowship with God, to have communication with Him. That is your design. 
We were created to have dialogue with God. But the problem often though, and it's the same in our human relationships, is one, we do all the talking. We do all the talking. And when I say we do all the talking, I'm not talking about praising and thanksgiving. I'm talking about wish lists. Lists of how can I better my life. Praise God, none of us here this morning. We've got our wish lists and we bring them before God and we see Him as a slot machine. We like put in and like, and even with the, like the slot machine mentality, um, we say like, okay, cool, I've given, I've done my tithe, my offering this month. Lord, I want this. Guys, what kind of relationship is that? So the first problem is we do all the talking and we don't give God a chance to, to speak. Secondly, when we're not talking, we're not really interested in what the other person is saying. Anyone of you been in a conversation with someone where, man, you, you've, they, they're sharing and they're like listening and you, you're acknowledging what they're saying. I'm not going to, like I want to get into healthy communication things now, but I'm not going to. And so um, they're talking and you're responding, you're hearing what they have to say. And then um, it's, it's your turn to respond and you start talking and you can just see, it's just blank. Like they're on, on a planet there in Timbuktu and, and you finish talking. They just carry on with everything they just said and not responding to anything if you've said, not acknowledging anything. And oftentimes that's like us with God. Like we do talking and then we're like, okay, cool. Now like I'm going to give God a chance because Etienne have talked about it this morning. He shared that like we do all of the talking, so I'm going to stop doing all of the talking. And so I'm going to talk a little bit, then I'm going to give God a chance. But it's no point if you give God a chance to talk, but you're not interested to hear what He has to say. One of the things, in, and you're not being interested in what He has to say, is if He says something that you don't want to hear. You're like, oh, I don't know, I didn't sign up for that. Anybody got time for that? Man, if we're not interested, like why, why are we wasting our time? Because God is often going to instruct you and challenge you on things that you don't want to hear. In church, every Sunday you're going to hear things that you probably don't want to hear. That's going to challenge you. And I'm not saying it, into, I'm not going through the word or I'm not being malicious. But I'm being challenged in the things that I'm talking about. I want to hear God more clearly. But like I said, often we, we're not really interested in in the response we're going to get. We, I've seen this so often, we're coming to a close, I've seen this so often in, in discipleship relationship and, and when ministering to people where I hear about people making specific decisions and them going to specific people asking for prayer and counsel and them not coming to me necessarily because you know why? Because they don't want to hear what I'm going to say. Because what I'm going to say is not going to be what they want to hear. So they choose to go to the people that are going to say what they want to hear. It makes common sense, right? Because it's nice when people are confirming what you want to do. Because then at least you have their approval. Another believer or sister in Christ has confirmed what you feel on your heart. But that is so, so counter relationship with God, relationship with the body, and it, it removes all opportunity for growth. When we draw just to people who are going to say and encourage us in the things that we want to hear. 
It's the same thing with the believers and the, the goat mindset. Running to the things that please them, the things that appeases them, the things that, that fit their, 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 their needs and, and how they feel. That's not the sheep mindset where we come to the flock, we've got a shepherd, and we stick to the flock, we stick to the shepherd. Because it's part of our nature and it's good for us. And I'm not just saying this as a shepherd, I am myself also being shepherded. I am being led myself. And when I'm saying that, I'm not talking about Jesus. Yes, Jesus is leading me. The Holy Spirit is leading me. But I've got people, like you have people, I've got people leading me, shepherding me, challenging me. But I choose to be shepherded. And each one of us gets to choose to be shepherded. Then the last third point, why we often just have problem in our relationship with God is, we're looking at what we can get out of the relationship. And maybe that's why some of your human relationships are just stale and broken, dysfunctional, because you're in it for what you can get out of it. You're not in it to see how you can be a contributor to this relationship. That's maybe why your marriage is sucking. Because you're just all about my needs, I've got needs, I need this, I deserve this. Going into marriage thinking that, man, your spouse is going to solve all of your problems. Man, you're in for rude awakening. Marriage wasn't created to solve your problems. If you're looking at your marriage to Christ, then yes, that is a, a fix to your problem. Becoming one with God and being married to Him. But in that marriage, the same as with human marriage... There's an opportunity to yield to, respond to another party, submit to another party. If you're struggling to submit to and obey God's leading in your marriage to Him, guess what you're also going to struggle to do? In your marriage to your spouse, struggle to be led by your spouse. And that's not just one way. Ephesians 5 talks about you being mutually submitted to one another as you submitted to Christ. First and foremost, you are equal in God's eyes. And yes, the, the husband is the head. We're not going to get into all of that now. But first and foremost, we are equal in Christ's eyes and we equally submitted to Him or called to be submitted to Him. But it's profound how our lack of understanding that submission and understanding the benefit and the blessing of our submission and our obedience to God and His leading, how the lack of understanding that and trusting that as being good for us how that overflows into our relationships as friends, as husbands, as wives, as workers to our bosses. Pride is something that we need to uproot as quickly as possible in our lives. And man, you'll never, you'll never be free from, from pride completely until... Jesus restores us perfectly, spirit, soul, and body. You're always going to be a, have an opportunity to have a prideful thought, have a prideful action. But we don't need to give in to those things. We can be spiritually minded, and by focusing on being spiritually minded, we will not give in to the lust of the flesh. Closing chapter 23 from Psalm. All of us know the, know the Psalm and just going to draw out a few amazing truths for us from this psalm. 
So Psalm 23, we'll look at a New Living Translation, verse 1 to 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Man, again, just linking into what we shared this morning, being content with God's presence. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. And He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name, or paths of righteousness. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now there's a lot in here. And this, can, this one psalm can be a whole message on its own. But we're not going to flesh it out that much this morning. Just a few truths in light of what we're looking at hearing God's voice. The beauty of a shepherd in the time that this was written, the shepherd lived with the sheep. It's not like it is today, commercial farming, where the sheep are out there in the field, the farmer's in its house and just being done on mass scale. No, the, the shepherd moved with the sheep, lived among the sheep, smelled like the sheep. This is beautiful. God, man. Philippians chapter 2, this is a beautiful picture and illustration where Jesus left His throne. He left heaven to come down to earth to be born as a baby. To live among us. Stinky sinners. Dirty. Rotten. Romans, Romans 8 verse 5. Romans 5 verse 8 says that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ chose to die for us. Stinky people. That is God's heart. And praise Him, we're not stinky anymore. We've become His righteousness. We've become holy. But the shepherd lived with the sheep. It wasn't commercial. There was care. There was closeness. There was intimacy. And then the psalm says here, He leads us. That means again He speaks. He communicates as we saw in John chapter 10. He is leading us always, and it will be for our benefit. Say, my benefit. And others. It's going to be for your benefit. It's going to be for others as well. It's not going to be self-centered. But for your benefit in the sense that this is what you've been created for. It's not going to necessarily be benefit in the sense of like nice houses, nice cars. But there's going to be a sense of supernatural peace and purpose that you'll experience that a lot of this world is running after, right? A lot of this world is running after finding peace in things, finding fulfillment in things, filling the void through things, through buying cars, through buying houses, but none of those things can bring the fulfillment that God's Spirit was intended to bring. But He's leading us and it's going to be for our benefit in the world around us. He's guiding us. That's communication. So this whole psalm is talking about communication, the shepherd and the sheep. He guides us. But it's not forced. Just because he's guiding doesn't mean we follow by default. And we're going to look at that through the rest of this series. Just because he's guiding doesn't mean we're following. He has set us up for victory. Through tough times, through easy times. 
And this is what we talked about earlier on. It doesn't matter how my future is looking. Man, Jesus being there means that it's going to be good. I can be expectant of that. Through tough times, good times, we have God's Spirit and He's leading in us. We never have to doubt God being present or Him speaking to us. And I pray that this becomes a reality to you this morning. We get to listen. We get to follow as He speaks and be obedient to what He says. We get to. God isn't going to force us. God isn't going to shout at us. He's not losing our temper when we're just going our own way. We're going astray. But man, you need to know one thing this morning. You get to hear the voice of God. You don't need to doubt whether you get to hear His voice, whether you can hear His voice. The Word clearly says and communicates that my sheep hear my voice. They know me. And so because we hear His voice, we can follow His voice. We can follow His leading. And His leading will only be in green pastures. Green pastures beside still peaceful streams. This is God's heart for us to understand that we've been created. We've been made to have relationship with Him. Hear His voice and follow His leading. That will bring such a fruitfulness into our lives and those around us. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, please contact us at info at or visit us at gracelife.co.